You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And this podcast is about the recent events in Haiti. Uh, So I am titling it, The Ills of Haiti. Uh, Yesterday, uh, it may have even been uh, either late yesterday or early this morning, it all starts to blend together. Uh, There are reports of assassination um, in Haiti of Haiti's president. So um, this particular article is out of Forbes uh, magazine, and it was published early this morning. Four dead following police standoff with hit squad suspected of assassinating Haitian President, officials says. Haitian police have killed four and apprehended two of the people suspected of assassinating President Jovenel Mosi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right correctly. <clears throat> Seems French, Frenchish in nature. <clears throat> we'll talk about that in a little bit. In his home early Wednesday morning, officials announced vowing to kill or capture the rest. Here are some key facts. Haitian police chief Leon. Now we know that's French. Leon. Charles, or maybe it's Leon, but I'll go with Leon. Charles said police. Now remember, as I'm reading this, once we get into the history, start remembering these names and surnames. Haiti's police chief, Leon Charles said police are still pursuing the assailants and have been engaged in a battle with them since blocking their exit from the crime scene earlier on Wednesday. Three police officers taken hostage by the suspected assassins have also been fired, Charles said. The authorities did not provide any evidence linking the suspects to the assassination or name them. Officials, including Haiti's ambassador to the U.S. and acting prime minister Claude Joseph, has said the president's murder was perpetrated by well-trained professional killers, commandos, with possible foreign ties owning to their speaking in Spanish and English. Joseph declared a national state of emergency in a televised address assuring the public that the situation is under control. Mosey's assassination, during which his wife was also shot and injured, has stoked Haiti's already tense political situation, coming just a few months before planned election and amid calls for him to leave office. Joseph has claimed to be running the country in an interview with the New York Times and presented himself as the head of government in broadcast, though it is unclear how much power he currently welds or how long this might last. 
Joseph was set to be replaced by a new prime minister this week. Mose's wife, Martine, was taken by air ambulance to Florida to receive treatment for her injuries, which have not been disclosed. Mm, That's interesting that she had to be flown to the mainland. All right. Okay, so uh, again, that was uh, an article from Forbes magazine that was posted earlier this morning. Four dead following police standoff with hit squad suspected of assassinating Haitian president officials say. Now, let's jump to the history of Haiti. I'm going to try to make this really, really brief as brief as I can, so we can just keep in mind, um, because when we see, or as these recent uh, events are occurring, we always need to keep in mind and do a little bit of critical thinking or critical analysis on the true history of these quote-quote nations and see if there's a correlation to that uh, recent said event. And most of the time, there are direct correlations. So this particular um, brief history of Haiti is out of uh, Kansas University, the University of Kansas. Haiti, a brief history of complex nation. Um, located in the Caribbean, Haiti occupies the western third of the island of Hispaniola, with the Dominican Republic in the eastern two-thirds. All right, so those that know the history of Haiti, Dominican was not Dominican. That is something recent, and oh boy... There's a lot of controversy and a lot of, uh, basically what they did was took uh, the island of Haiti and split it and call one part Dominican, right? And so the indigenous Haitians and the black European Haitians are now uh, delegated to one area called Haiti which just so happens to be the poor part and the Dominican Republic side um, is the side that's being not being built up is built up with a lot of wealth and a lot of tourism. And there is a lot of overt racism going on uh, with the Dominicans being against the Haitians, Um, which is one of the reasons why I've been to the Dominican, let me see, one, I think three, three times, if I'm not mistaken. The other two times in my defense, I was on a cruise that just so happened to be the route and it was just an in and out thing. But my first time going to the Dominican, um, it was a land trip. And boy, was it eye-opening. I, you know, had the experience of speaking with a Dominican. And um, 
she looked Spanish, quote, quote. She definitely did not look uh, of Negroid features. And I don't know what it is. She just started to give me the tea on what was going on in Dominican versus the Haitian because she has a baby with a Haitian. And uh, the, the guy that she has the baby with, the, uh, the baby's father, still lives on the Haitian side. And she says that she tries to hide the fact. Now, yeah, yeah, this lady, honey, told me all of this tea, hunty, all of this tea. That she hides the fact that her daughter is part Haitian because she doesn't want her daughter to be discriminated against. Uh, so she really doesn't tell folks that um, her former mate, and not to be honest, I'm not sure if it's her former mate um, or if they were still together, is Haitian because of the discrimination. And she was telling me that's how bad it is. <clears throat> and so all you have to do is just do a little bit of research and you'll see where the Haitians are denied um, any access to that Dominican side. So, uh, you know, that was really, really, really very, very interesting to me. And um, I had made up my mind then that I would never go back to the Dominican and spend a dime of my hard-earned fiat, uh, which I have not spent any more money in Dominican, although I've been there twice, uh, coming through twice additional coming through on the cruise and baby let me tell you something I crossed my legs and didn't spend a dime because it was a, the principle of the fact okay now interestingly enough also while I was there honey like I said baby I got the tea because what had happened was somebody out the group out of our little group of folks has signed us up for uh, this rum tasting thing. And so um, <clears throat> it also turned out to be some type of way, y'all, some doggone timeshare. And so I was sitting with this, the, the one Dominican lady, and that's how I got all the tea. And then um, ideally on the way uh, to driving us through the tour, on um, the rum factory and all of that. Um, it was a Dominican from New York. And he kind of looked at me, hey, mommy, how you doing? You know how, you know how the New Yorkers are with that slick ass talk. But nonetheless, I was shocked. I'm like, oh my goodness, how long you been here? So he was giving me the rundown that, you know, his family, some of his family, uh, most of his family, they're on the mainland in New York. And it was no mistaken he was from New York because he, uh, of course, broke that Dominican Spanish <laughs> accent and started talking that New York jive. So um, he said, you know, most of his family are in New York on the mainland, but he's back here making money. So I asked him how many um, New Yorkers are coming back to the Dominican or coming to the Dominican 
to make money because the, the Dominican Republic has really, really grown. Uh, you see a lot of heavy investment over there for new roads, all of that jazz. And guess who was building them new roads, y'all? Child, China. Yes, baby. Hit the little Chinese sign. Chinese workers and everything. I was just shaking my head. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, stay focused, Rhonda, because I know I'm already off track. So that was very, very interesting. Um, and then I did get the opportunity to go um, where the quote, quote, natives live. And I can't say indigenous because they aren't indigenous. Those Dominicans are not indigenous. That's Haitian land. But I did get a chance to go to uh, a native's house and um, it was really, really beautiful. Um, they lived off the land. It was an older couple with um, their granddaughter was living there. She was grown and um, they had like their water supply set up Um they had like a full-fledged garden, all of that. And um, she was, the granddaughter was selling products on the side. Um, and uh, you saw like chickens running across the road. And those chickens was in shape, y'all. <laughs> you could tell the difference between the chickens that are like being produced via factory and like what they call free range chickens or chickens, organic, naturally chicken, honey, them chickens was in shape walking across the road. They were chilling, but okay, stay focused, Rhonda. So anyhow, we got a chance to talk uh, through translator with the, with the granddaughter, with um, the elder, and she was saying that basically most of the young folks are moving into the cities, taking the jobs, um, and they're moving into the high rises. And like I said, the D Dominican, there's so much building. And you saw uh, the, I saw the high rises that she was speaking of. And so basically the government gave them, the Dominican government gave them their homes uh, you know, got them set up. It's it's a basic home. They have water. They got uh, where the water is. They got the water tank that's on the roof, um, which, hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. That's cool. That's called being self-sufficient. But they basically had everything <clears throat> that they needed. And so uh, she said that she was happy here where she's, she's at. It's peaceful. It's calm. Um, it's a, a simple life. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. And it was extremely eye-opening for me um, to just kind of get that current view of what's going on in Haiti. And I know it was nothing but a spiritual connection for me to hook up with that woman that gave me all of the tea on what was really going on firsthand. Um, and just my heart went out to her because I could tell that bothered her. That really bothered her. And um, 
I'm just glad that I learned that and they don't ever have to worry about me going back so they can go somewhere. Oh, and I did find out, which was interesting. Um, now, I don't know if it's still true. This was, when did I go to Haiti? Huh? Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was probably eight, 10 years ago when I first uh, went to, well, I said Haiti, but it really is Haiti, but the Dominican Republic. Um, I was surprised that prostitution is legal there. So they hit their little brothels, this, that, and the third. I'm like, well, all right, y'all, y'all do y'all. All right, so here we go. Stay focused. See, I'm always talking about something's going to be quick, and then I get to run in my mouth. I apologize. All right, so with an area, so it's saying um, the Dominican Republic in the eastern two-thirds <clears throat> with an area of about 10,714 square miles Haiti is approximately the size of the state of Maryland. The major uh, cities are Cap Haitian, ooh, Jerome, Les Cayes. Okay, and I'm not trying to pronounce all that, y'all, because I'm, I'm straight butchering this, all right? But I see some French mixed up in here. I see a lot of French names. We're going to get to that. Haiti has two official languages, Haitian Creole and French. All right, so we're going to get into a little bit of this. When Columbus landed in the islands of Hispaniola on December 6, 1492. Okay, you know they always want to throw Columbus coming over here in 1492. Like that's when everything jumped off. Yeah, okay, whatever. He found a kingdom ruled by Keiku uh, or Taino Indian chief. After the French arrived in the 17th century to continue European exploration and exploitation in the Western Hemisphere, the indigenous population was largely exterminated. Okay, so we know that's a bold-faced or as my grandma used to say, ball face. Never understood what she would say, ball face. Allow with no hair on it. <laughs> but a bold face lie. So you trying to convince moi, you're trying to convince moi that the indigenous population was largely exterminated. Okay, let's go with the next set of lies. As a result, Africans, primarily from West Africa, were imported as slave labor to produce raw goods for international commerce. Another bold-faced, or as my grandma say, bald-faced lie. That is not what happened. What had happened was Europeans started importing slave labor. European slave labor, specifically Negroid slash Black European slave labor. So you had a population that changed from the indigenous melanated Black Taino Indian Indians to the indigenous Indians, and the black Europeans, all right? I.e. colonization. 
All right, so considered France's richest colony in the 18th century. Okay, now, doesn't it make sense now why, and and a lot of you should already know that, why Haiti still to this day carries uh, a lot of these French surnames and and things are named um, after stuff uh, from France. And hell, they even say that the official languages are Creole and French. All right, now remember, all of Europe, all of the ancient Europe was melanated, a.k.a. black, a.k.a. negroid. All of it. France was no exception, okay? The seat of power with those... um, European kingdoms were held by melanated black folk, right? So that means 1492, it was black. 1700s, black. 1800s, black until you get to the late 1800s, all right? So what they were doing was bringing over black Europeans either on indentured servant contracts or serving out a prison sentence in exchange for going over to work the land. Same thing happened on the mainland, uh, a.k.a. the United States, happened in the rest of the Americas, what they are now calling the Caribbeans. Okay, so considered France's richest colony in the 18th century. Haiti was known as the Pearl of Antilles. Resisting their exploitation, Haitians revolted against the French from 1791 to 1804. One of the most important outcomes of this revolution was that it forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell Louisiana to the U.S. in 1803, resulting in a major territory expansion of the United States. All right? So y'all see how that game was played? You had these Europeans, black Europeans, a.k.a. melanated Europeans, coming over to the Americas, colonizing. And um, we do know that France held on to Louisiana for quite some time, all right? But I did not know that as a part of um, the outcome from this Haitian Revolution that old boy had to sell Louisiana, all right? All right, so when Haitians took their independence in 1804, they changed their colonial name from Saint Domingo, the name given by the French. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so it kind of makes sense of Dominican, Domingo, Dominican. I could be wrong on that. Two, okay, so they changed their uh, colonial name from Saint Domingo, the name given by the French, to his Taino name of Haiti, Haiti, or Ati, 
I can't, uh, in Creole. Okay, so I probably butchered those last two, so forgive me. Before the earthquake of January 12, 2010, that killed approx uh, approximately 300,000 people, injured over 200,000, and left over 15 million homeless, it was estimated that about 3 million people lived in the capital of Port-au-Prince. The 2010 earthquake is believed to be the worst disaster in Haiti's history. Haiti has a complex, rich, fascinating, and tumultuous culture and history with stories of resistance, revolt, and instability. But one of the fundamental aspects of Haiti is resilient in spite of slavery, multiple coups, various occupation, and militarization. Haiti continuously fights to remain strong. Haiti's very existence is inscribed in its many proverbs, such as Haiti is a slippery land. Behind the mountains, there are mountains. All right, so Haiti in our backyard. Haiti is not some faraway land disconnected from the U.S. Haiti is the first black republic and the second independent country in the Western Hemisphere. In fact, the ties that bind the two countries go back to the time when the U.S. was fighting for its own independence. A group of more than 500 Haitians known as Las Chasseurs, I'm going to say volunteers, that I do know. <laughs> I think it's voluntaries in French. De Savannah fought in the Battle of Savannah. A monument in Franklin Square in downtown Savannah it was erected in October 2009 to commemorate those who fought in that battle. After the Haitian revolt started in 1791, many St. Domingans eventually settled in Louisiana. <clears throat> in fact, the Louisiana Purchase was a direct consequence of the Haitian revolt. See, I had I had learned it something new. I done learned that I did not know. This land deal doubled the size of the U.S., adding to its holdings either in part or whole. Louisiana, Arkansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Oklahoma, Kansas, Minnesota, the Dakotas, Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana. Well, that's a lot of territory, family. Now, let's be clear. As they're talking about what the U.S. got as a purchase based on the Haitian Revolution, that was land that was taken from the indigenous people. Louisiana, to this day, there's huge controversy among um, melanated folks laying claim to that land. I've heard so many... Child, let me tell you something. I've heard so many folks claiming their folks own Louisiana because of this piece of paper, that piece of paper. Oh, okay then. Oh, okay then. It, it belongs to the indigenous people of that land, all right? The reason why there is so much confusion, as we talked about here and as we've talked about uh, 
for quite some time is because you have black Europeans that um, have either mixed in with indigenous people of the Americas or have been here for so long, they feel that they have a right or a stake in these indigenous people's land, which is not the case, okay? So just to be clear, Louisiana, Arkansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa, Oklahoma, Kansas, Minnesota, the Dakotas, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, what they're calling the Louisiana Purchase, those were indigenous people's land. Not black Europeans. Not white Europeans. Not the um, powers of the the different crowns. These are indigenous people's lands who have been on these lands for at a minimum thousands of years, if not millions of years, serving as the caretakers. All right, so let me continue on. As the first black independent country with the story of successful slave revolt, Haiti was a ray of hope for African-Americans in the United States. Now, remember, when we talk African-Americans, right, because we're not just regular grammar school with our understanding of true history. We're at graduate school level. So when you hear the African-American term, you should know that what they're really linking together are black Europeans, indigenous, Negro, Indians, and Africans. And the Africans are the smallest group out of the two. Okay, so Haiti was a ray of hope for African-Americans in the United States during the 19th century. Like France, the United States did not recognize Haiti's independence until 1862, precisely because white Americans worried that Haiti's existence challenged their slave-driven economy. There were several immigration movements led by leaders such as Martin Delaney and James Theodore Holly, who encouraged African-Americans to settle in Haiti. Although the majority of those who moved to Haiti returned to the U.S. due to linguistic and climate, uh, climate issues, close to 20% of free blacks from northern United States went to Haiti before the Civil War. I got to sip my water. Hmm. Free blacks, you say? Hmm. Who might those free blacks be? Would those free blacks be black Europeans? Would those free blacks be black Europeans and indigenous American black Indians? Hmm. This migration between Haiti and the America forged links between the two countries. 
However, when the United States occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1934, changed Haiti's constitution and in many ways further uh, uh, contributed to its ongoing stability. All right. Now, during this time of 1915 to 1934, uh, you have to realize that uh, Caucasians started taking the seat of power in the Americas in the late 1800s. Okay. Um, In the early 1900s, when a lot of the white Europeans started emigrating over to the Americas uh, or America, the United States specifically. Um, And so I also think about this um, range from 1915 to 1934. I think about the banking acts and the Fed Reserve being created in 1913. So basically it was a restructuring of the commerce for the Americas. Um, And then you had the 1933 crash in between that, okay? So just putting that into perspective, all of what was going on during that time. Okay, so they went over there and stuck their beak in uh, occupied Haiti from that time frame and even changed the constitution, which caused more ins- instability. Many African-Americans denounced the op- occupation of a sovereign nation. The National Association for the Advancement of Color People, which is the NAACP, under the leadership of Ex- Executive Secretary James Weldon Johnson, wrote a series of letters for the nation denouncing American injustice in Haiti. In 1932, the great poet Langston Hughes traveled to Haiti where he met one of the foremost Haitian intellectuals of the time, uh, Jacques Romain. In his 1956 autobiography, I Wonder as I Wander, an autobiographical uh, journey, Hughes described his trip to Haiti and his meeting with, uh, what's dude's name? Jacques. Hughes was very impressed by Jacques and eventually translated his seminal work um, into Masters of the Do. Before current terms such as transnationalism and black national consciousness were being used, such exchanges occurred between African-American and Haitian intellectuals. The various ties that link Haiti and Louisiana in terms of culinary culture, language, architecture, religion, and music persists today. All right, so just real quick on the Haitian Revolution. Um, this is from Brown University, Haitian Revolution from 1492 to 1805. Hispanola, the island shared by modern-day Haiti and the Dominican Republic, is located in the Caribbean Sea between Puerto Rico, Jamaica, and Cuba. 
It is fewer than 700 miles southeast of Florida. Haiti occupies the western third of the island and is home to nearly 10 million people. Since its independence in 1804, Haiti has been, um, I'm going to say bully, but it's hit belligerent by foreign occupation, long-term dictatorship, and political instability. It is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Okay, the poorest country, y'all, but very rich in resources. Okay, so we know, um, I want to say coffee, beans, I know rum, and there are some natural resources there as well. I cannot remember them off the top of my head, okay? So here again is yet another example of you have these particular nations that have been colonized and the indigenous melanated black and brown folks disenfranchised and basically prisoners of war in their own homeland are not benefiting from the natural wealth in the land, okay? And then it winds up being one of the poorest, that they wind up being poor nations, all right? So this is saying that Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. However, the country is also renowned for its remarkable history and culture Haiti was the first independent nation in the Caribbeans, the second democracy in the Western Hemisphere, and the first black republic in the world, okay? Excuse me. So, uh, that's we uh, read that in, in the other one. All right. Haiti was claimed by, you're going to say Christopher Columbus, 1492, on behalf of the Spanish... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spanish proceeded. We know they didn't kill all of the island native inhabitants. We know that. We went through that. Uh, We talked about that as well. Okay. Um, In 1804, after more than a decade of warfare, European forces evacuated their troops and residents from the former colony, which reclaimed its independent, its original name of Haiti and declared independent. So I'm just going to run down the timeline. So from 1492 to 1697, Spanish rule. 1750 to 784, French rule and intentions in the colonies. 1788-1790, the French Revolution begins. 1790-1791, slave resistance gains momentum, okay? Now, when you hear them talk about slavery in the Americas, you can't just broad broad, um, stroke it as the slavery that they taught you, right? Okay, because what they're calling slavery today is really a mixture of several things. Yes, there were actual slaves, folks owning other folks, all right? And and, And depending on the time frame, it was mostly melanated black owned slaves, slave owners, okay? So black owned, black slave owners owning 
black European slave owned slaves, also owning um, indigenous black Indian slaves, also owning Caucasian white slaves. Okay. Then you also had Indians or Indian uh, tribes or whatever owning slaves as well. All right. Then you had in uh, those groups, so the Black Europeans and the indigenous um, Indian, Black Indians, some owned the slaves, quote, quote, slaves. I put that in quotes. They were their family members, okay? All right? But those large slave owners, the wealthy ones, the Black Europeans, and some um, indigenous Black Indians as well were running them as corporations and they had agreements to do commerce with the European kings them. All right? Now, in those groups of what they're calling slaves, you also had what they are calling um, indentured servants which is just really another fancy term for saying folks that were really coming over to work on workers' contracts, all right? Some were coming over um, with truly trying to find a better life to come up out of Europe from being in poverty, starving, whatever the case may be. So they came over here to, um, to work, to basically work. And uh, some of them were on a contract for like seven years uh, to work off whatever debt they had. Maybe it was the passage, um, the, the expenses rather to get over to the Americas. And, um, you know, depending on how their contract was structured, they had to pay back so much, pay back everything. And then you get a little piece of that salary and then once your seven years were up, because uh, the contracts could be no more than seven years, because that's tied to the biblical law, all right, uh, to the European Christianity biblical law. And once that seven years was up, they could renegotiate that contract. Sorry, y'all, I'm getting a horse. Okay, uh, so that was the other piece of the um, whole slavery narrative, all right? The last piece of the slavery narrative would be um, Europe sending over their prisoners, okay? So in other words, you want to serve out this prison sentence or do you want to go over to the new land, the Americas, and work off your prison sentence. Um, as a matter of fact, it is documented that um, King Louis, I call him uh, Pimpalicious Louis, the way he dressed uh, with all his feathers, ruffles, and his perm. And maybe the man didn't have a perm, but he sure had a um, hell of a um, curl in his head unless he was wearing a wig. Now, he could have been wearing a wig, 
Brothers want to sit up and talk about sisters wearing a wig. <laughs> when them early European men had her baby had them wigs slapped upon their head. All right, so stay focused, Rhonda. Okay, so King Pimpalicious Louis' brother, um, dang, what's his brother's name? Don't quote me because I don't want to uh, misquote his brother's name. I can see his brother's face, but can't picture his name. King Louis, because he had spent so many years fighting war after war after war, and he was he stayed into it with a uh, Spain baby. They stayed at each other's throat. All right, plus all of his partying, uh, all of the building. Ball, balling out, okay, with building and his clothes and supporting his boys now called the court. He pretty much bankrupted France. So they heard about, and I'm using heard about in quotes, and I'm, I'm assuming, this is me just assuming, through uh, Spain was over in the Americas uh, doing their commerce and their uh, colonization. He decided, hey, we need to get over there and check out that um, wasteland because Europe, those European kings looked down upon America as a wasteland, as a swamp land because it wasn't terraformed or built up with cities, not all of them. I suspect there were some cities like in Europe, okay? So they looked down upon the Americas and call it a swamp land instead of the third, but they definitely wanted to bring their asses over here to extract the resources because that's what colonizers do. They abstract the resources for the purpose of commerce and leave the indigenous people off in worse condition as well as the land. So he was going to send troops over. He wanted to send troops over. So his brother was like, uh, blood, look, look, ain't nobody effing with you like that. You owe troops from the last war and the war now. They ain't finna go do nothing. And he like, look, I'm in debt. I got these baby mamas on my back. Man, I got a lot of stuff going on. I got to get some um I got to get a bag. I got to get some stuff popping. So his brother basically suggested to him, well what you should do is send prisoners over there to work the land. And I'll oversee that process. So that's exactly what they did. Um his brother was the one, King Louis' brother was the one that set that whole uh, progress in play. Okay, so 1750-1784, French rule and tension in the colonies. 1788-1790, the French Revolution begins, okay, which rightfully so, baby. The way um, Pimpalicious, King Louis bankrupted, and then Maria was walking around in her wig, talking about some let people eat cake. She didn't give a damn. 
Anyway, 1790 to 1791, slave resistance gained momentum. So remember who those slaves were. That was a mixture of the indigenous black Indians and the black Europeans. Okay. 1791, Haitian Revolution begins. 1791, 1792, the revolution builds. 1792 to 1796, upheaval in France and Saint Domingo. 1796 to 1801, Toussaint in power. 1801 to 1802, General Leclerc in Saint Domingo. 1802 to 1803, the final years of the revolution, 1804 to 1805, Haitian independence, okay? All right, so uh, with that said, I wanted to uh, just to give you all a high level, sorry this is so long, of the history of Haiti, um, how far back it goes, and even to this day, Haiti is still unstable, um, it has been split in half. Now it's part of it is being called the Dominican. And now leaving the other indigenous Haitian part, desolate poor, which it's always been in the in, in that state, to be honest. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, Haiti was under the debt of France for the war. So I'll have to do a little bit more research. Um, I know there was discussions about um, Haiti should not be paying back that debt to France at all, but I'm not sure if that indeed went into place. So it's been for quite some time, as you can see, the stability of Haiti um, has, has just not been there. It just hasn't been there, okay? So um, just as recently as yesterday, the Haitian president was assassinated. So we're going to see uh, how this plays out. Um, I did want to bring this to you all, and I just also wanted you to keep in mind the history of Haiti and the true history of Haiti who really makes up the Haitian population. So with that said, family, I wish everyone well on this Thursday. Peace and love. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love.